Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you, as always, by InsideThePenguins.com, a proud affiliate of the Hockey News. I'm your host, Nick Horwat, joined, as always, by... I messed that one up. I'm Nick Berlanski. Hey. <laughs> That's Nick Horwat. That's where my brain's at right now. This is the last episode that we're taking before a quick sabbatical where we go off for about a week and a half. We'll return around August 21st. And clearly by that intro, I need it, Horwat. I think we need it. So uh, I'm <laughs> Nick Berlansky, yeah. and that's Nick Horwat. And we're going to talk about the Pittsburgh Penguins on this podcast that you can find anywhere you get your podcasts from or on YouTube. Okay, we're through that, Horwat. Start talking so I can... Gather my bearings, apparently. Take your time. It's okay. It, it, in reality, the intro should be, I'm a little busy. You're a little busy. <laughs> it's been a uh, hectic week, hectic weekend uh, for multiple reasons for the both of us. And then, uh, yeah, we are heading into a break. But the first part of the break, for at least the both of us, we will still be nose to the grindstone on a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll still be here working on Penguins hockey stuff for the <clears throat> for the Inside the Penguins website for the hockey news you will be dealing with your own personal matters that mm-hmm. will end up being a lot of fun in the week at that this weekend. Hope everyone is excited for everything. And then time off finally does roll around. Uh, we haven't had a lot of time off this summer. Most of the time, by the time we hit this point of August, we're bored. But uh, Kyle Dubas said, nope, not this year. This year, everyone is going to be excited. Everyone's going to be looking forward to things. And you know what? We got everything worth the wait. We discussed the Eric Carlson trade in the bonus episode, Mm -hmm. but uh, I'm sure there will be bits and pieces to talk about until puck drops on the season, and then there'll be more to talk about with him. Yeah, with the Eric Carlson trade, and if you haven't gone back, go back and listen to that instant reactions. I don't think we could have said anything better than we did on Sunday when it pertains to the Eric Carlson trade and every little corner that we could find about it. But we do obviously have a bunch else to talk about with Kyle Dubas speaking to the media yesterday. It kind of opened up an alleyway into kind of the perspective of what he looks for and what he's looking at with the Pittsburgh Penguins roster heading into training camp in just six weeks, which are going to come a lot faster than a lot of us are thinking. So I think the biggest thing you can take away from it is Kyle Dubas might not be done, Horwat. He spoke to the media yesterday following what was the largest, at least in in quantity, the largest Mm -hmm. trade in the history of the organization. 
And while he said he doesn't foresee any major moves coming, he could look to the free agent market or sign a PTO. What do you think about the potential of another addition for this roster? It'd be interesting. I mean, there's already plenty of roster battles set to happen in most positions. Uh, the only one that really got, I think, cleared up almost completely is the goaltending one. Uh, but beyond that, I mean, when he said, oh, first of all, Elliot Freeman decided to drop the little nugget of not being surprised that the Penguins would want to go after a Thomas Tatar or I think he threw Austin Watts into that conversation. Really couldn't tell where he was going with that. But, you know, Cal Dubas came back the next day and was essentially, this is basically the team we're going to have going into camp. There may be some smaller signings, but the big stuff seems to be out of the way. But also we all have to remember general managers and presidents of hockey operations do lie. Uh, but, I mean, everyone still has their sights. At least every fan might still have their sights set on Thomas Tatar. I would say pull that one back a bit. That doesn't seem super yeah. likely. But, especially with the cap situation now, it doesn't seem like Gens will go on LTIR. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. um, maybe a small signing. Maybe a PTO. See how things go. Really get um, the camp battles going. I don't I don't foresee Dubas being totally done. I wouldn't be shocked to see a small PTO somewhere. Uh, maybe another depth signing, just because he loves those. Uh, there's a lot of lot of walkways that this could go. Yeah, you mentioned the fact that Jake Gensel will not be going on LTIR, which means the Penguins, where they sit right now, is where they will sit if no other moves are made to start training camp with $79,000 over the NHL salary cap. Uh, but the other interesting thing that he mentioned there was he's not going to be afraid to send somebody through waivers if they didn't earn the spot at the NHL roster. Last year, that was something that we saw with, hey, if you have to go through waivers, you have a leg up because this team, not that they were afraid to lose players to waivers, but they were just not willing to potentially lose players to waivers. Very mm -hmm. often did they choose the, the route with less you know stress and less pushback when it came to who they would keep up on the NHL roster. This year, as far as Kyle Dubas is concerned, and what he said yesterday is, listen, if I got to send somebody through waivers because the better player needs to stay and the player that's not performing as well needs to go to the minors, I'll put them on waivers. Like, it'll mm -hmm. happen. So that makes me think that there could be another addition a not significant like a Thomas Tatar. I do agree with you. I think that um, dream kind of went out the window uh, whenever you heard that Jake Gensel was probably going to be able to be back within five games, two weeks, whatever it is, which is still a positive for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Don't get me wrong. But I do think that there is still room to make one of these smaller signings. And again, there's going to be a lot of competition at training camp. Adding another name to that mix is just going to give the Penguins a better opportunity of finding that diamond in the rough. Yeah, and I'll be curious to see. I know whenever Dubas was with Toronto, there was the big meme of, oh, every time he drops someone on waivers, he gets claimed. Now, we're going to officially find out if that is the rest of the league messing with Toronto or messing with Kyle Dubas. My assumption is Toronto. A lot of Toronto people think it's because of Dubas. We'll wait and see, but... Uh, I mean, I don't know. I, if he has to drop someone through waivers, it's just what he has to do. It's a business. We didn't want to do it a ton last year. This upcoming season, uh, it seems almost seems like we're going to have to, right? It's He's overloaded, not overloaded, but he's packed the depth pretty, pretty nicely. Here's the thing, too, about that. I mean, everybody says, oh, you know, they're messing with Dubas. They're messing 
at the end of the day, they wouldn't make the claim if the player wasn't worth claiming. Exactly. So that's the thing. That just tells me that Kyle Dubas, when he was in Toronto, had a lot of players that were worth claiming if they were coming at no cost besides their cap hit, which means he had good players in the organization, which at the end of the day is a good thing for the organization because you're not placing a player on waivers if you're not replacing it with somebody you think is going to be better for the team. The problem becomes when you continue to do that and it comes up not working out. If you continue to lose players to the waiver process and the player that you bring in to, to make up for that isn't as good as the player beforehand. The odds that a hockey operations department like the Pittsburgh Penguins, like any of these in the NHL, not just the Pittsburgh Penguins, would continue to make those mistakes is unlikely. So I'm not worried about the fact that, hey, you know, there's this myth or lore that every time Kyle Dubas puts a player on waivers, they're claimed. Yeah, it might happen. It might happen more than once. But at the end of the day, it's not going to be something so detrimental to the organization that it makes it look bad for Kyle Dubas to continue to put players on waivers. You hope that the team that you come out of camp with is the Stanley Cup winning team that you don't have to make changes on. But we know from years of watching the sport that that never happens. Not once in the history of this league has that happened. So moves are going to have to be made. Sometimes you might lose a player for nothing, and that's unfortunate. But you move on, and you try to bulk the roster up in their absence. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's just a matter of performing at the business that you are. Yeah. Things happen. you got to make the, the, the appropriate adjustments. You do. And if your team has changed, you know that happens. No team is the same on Game 1 as they are in Game 82. None. There are lineup shifts. There are new players. There are old players. There are... Injuries, call-ups, sent like minor league uh, demotions. There's all kind of things that change. People get fired. People get hired. There's gonna be a lot of changes. This, the team that you start the season with is not the same same team that you end it with. Mm-hmm. Changes will happen. That goes for all 32. Yep. Kyle Dubas team. No matter who he's leading, no difference. So that brings me to who the Penguins could target because that's where the root of this conversation started. Was the Penguins could go out and Kyle Dubas could sign somebody else to either a small contract or sign them to a PTO and just have them coming in for training camp and seeing if they outplay any of these players that are going to be in these competitions. I think there's a couple names and both of the names that I have down are forwards. I don't see Kyle Dubas adding another defenseman unless it is a PTO and somebody to just push for that bottom pairing and push the trio. That's already going to be fighting for two spots in the Penguins opening night lineup lineup. So I think it's probably a forward that he would end up targeting. And these two names that I have down here are not names that you haven't heard of, especially if you follow along the tip of the iceberg or Penguins to Go or Inside the Penguins or any of our sites or affiliates uh, that we work on. Pius Suter is the first one for me. And he would be such a great fit. I mean, you could always use extra center depth. Somebody that can take those face-offs. That's never a bad thing to have on your roster. He's played a little penalty kill in his career. He brings some speed to his game. He has a little bit of offensive upside. And his expected goals percentage has still stuck around 47%, which on its surface isn't phenomenal, isn't blow-you-away good. But considering his first three seasons in the NHL were for Chicago and then Detroit, Detroit, it shows you that even on a team that doesn't have a lot of talent, where he's playing in a reduced role with other players that are on a reduced role for a reason on a team that's at the bottom of the standings, he's still able to put up some respectable numbers on his expected goals percentage. So certainly 
He's in line for a pay cut from $3.25 million. I don't think he's earned anywhere near that. I think you see him, if being signed by Pittsburgh, come in around that $1 million, maybe a little bit extra uh, because he has that pedigree and he's a little bit older. Yeah, it, it would be a pedigree signing. It would be um, certainly an option, I think. Uh, just the way this team is stacked up, though, it's it'd be interesting to add someone to a real contract at this point. I can understand... Yeah. Can understand a PTO signing. I can understand uh, making a decision a little bit later, but just I, I'm with you in saying that Pius Sutter is good for the center depth. I mean, that's something that, um, you know, you look at our center depth. Like, yeah, there's Crosby and Malkin. I I still get a little iffy with it. You know, there's uh, Jeff Carter, obviously Lars Eller, and and Nola Chari. It's not that those guys are bad. They just don't strike the same sort of. Um, depth option fear that other players like a pious suit uh, sutter would mm-hmm. so adding to it would be interesting it's just the roster is in such a weird spot right now yeah when i look at the penguin center depth right now yeah lars eller nolachari they're the guys that the penguins want there and obviously crosby and mall can speak for themselves yeah my issue is with the fifth name you said because mm-hmm. if one center goes down jeff carter's back at center and we're in the same predicament that the pittsburgh penguins were in last season which was jeff carter Last year, at least, I don't know if he's going to be better this year, another year older. Now he's, what, 38, 39 at this point, or going to be 39 years old. Jeff Carter, probably not able to play the center ice position, or at least not excel in the center ice position as much as you would hope for, for a team that's trying to not just make the playoffs, but a team that is going to attempt to win the Stanley Cup this year. You cannot have that as your fifth option. Now, there is a chance that Sam Poulin makes those leaps and bounds and becomes that fifth option at some point this season. But if I'm the Pittsburgh Penguins and I'm going to add one more PTO or potential other player, adding a center like Pius Suter is, is a pretty good option. So I like that as an option. The other name that I've come up with is a name that I know a lot of people in the Penguins fan base have been clamoring for. A lot of people around other fan bases have been looking at and saying, man, you should take a chance with him because he's 24 years old. That's Max Comtois. I mean, I've had him circled on the market since he got bought out, or at least not extended a qualifying offer. He wasn't bought out by the Anaheim Ducks. He struggled to find a scoring touch ever since suffering an injury a few seasons back, but I think it would give some potency to your bottom six, and you're buying low on a prospect that had such a high ceiling a couple seasons back, and he's still only 24 years old, so he still has some room to grow. Yeah, I'm surprised he hasn't found a new home yet. I mean, this late into the summer, I'm surprised some of the names that are still out there are still out there. I mean, there's not many, but um, he's definitely near the top of the list of how have you not signed a contract yet. Uh, Because of his young age and high upside, like he's got a pretty high ceiling in comparison to other guys that are out there, like who's still out there? Carl Hagelin's still out there. Jesse Pugliarvi's still out there. Zach Cassie went over to Europe, didn't he? I do not know. I'm just kind of reading off of the oh, cat-friendly okay. list of what's here. I think so, but Fair carry enough, on. Then. But yeah, it's Comtois got a higher upside. He's got a higher ceiling. And it's weird seeing names like that still available in early August. Uh, he's a name that any all 32 teams should be taking a good look at and just seeing what can he add to a, your depth in forward or even... Uh, just adding to the training cap camp battles. You know, mm-hmm. if anything, certain guys will at least be able to push the guys you have to 
perform harder, earn their spots, and be a little more ready for the season. There's all kind of strategy strategy that can go into this, and I think Comtois is a great option for anybody in this league. Yeah. Now, when it comes to when Dubas would add this extra player, I would imagine it would have to be sooner rather than later. You don't want to let it get right up to training camp and then just try to bring this guy in last minute. So if he's going to add somebody else, probably going to happen, I would say, in August. I wouldn't say that he adds somebody really in September unless they really feel that that might be when they bring in somebody on the PTO. Mm-hmm. But I really feel if they're going to add somebody under an actual NHL contract and sign him for the season, it's got to be in the next two or three weeks. It does, yeah, and especially considering the big theory that the Eric Carlson deal was kind of holding a ton of things up, uh, which is usually a theory that always happens every offseason, is here's the deal that is holding up every other deal in the league. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlson signed or Carlson got traded, and then pretty immediately, uh, Matt Dumba found a new home. So yeah. there was that. Um, expect pretty soon, I would assume, now that that dam is burst maybe other guys like ethan bear maybe finds his home soon um who's still out there patrick kane's still on side even though he's got that weird uh injury uh, surgery it's gonna put him out until november i think something like that yeah, yeah either november or december probably yeah i mean there's still a handful of names out there that are definitely nhl players i'm not gonna go much further into saying how good or bad they are but yeah um with the Eric Carlson damn now burst, I would assume guys get signed, more moves get made, unless everyone is truthfully on, on vacation. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that that tells me about Arizona is that they were potentially one of the third team options for one of these trades for Eric Carlson. The fact that, that... immediately after they they end up signing Matt Dumba, it, maybe they were in the market for a Jeff Petrie. Maybe yeah. that's who that who, who one of the other third teams was going to be, which would be interesting because for that to be the case, Jeff Petrie would have had to not have Arizona on his no trade list. But I guess he is from the western part of the continent, so that would make sense that he might want to go back there. Uh, who knows? I mean, or no, he's a, from Michigan. He's from Detroit. What am I talking yeah. about? He's from Michigan. Yeah. Uh, it's either disregard. Yeah, it's either something like that because he didn't want to be too far away from his family, or maybe he really was a backup plan. You never know, because maybe we had him on hold, as in the Penguins had him on hold, thinking if this falls through, we're going to take that swing at Matt Dumba and relieve the other uh, cap pressures from there. Maybe. Um, plus, not only that, it seems like Montreal might be flipping Petrie anyway. So, Yeah, that was the, the whole purpose of the, the $1.5 million retention. So, uh it's interesting, a lot of what-ifs, but at the end of the day, the one thing that is concrete is Eric Carlson is a Pittsburgh Penguin, and after the break, we're going to talk about who that benefits most on the Pittsburgh Penguins' current roster. We'll be right back. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast brought to you as always by InsideThePenguins.com. I'm Nick Berlansky. That's Nick Horwat. I got it right this time. Hey, I got our names right. We've only, I've only known my name for 26 years and your name for the past eight, so I should hopefully get it right. Uh, but regardless, we're talking here a little bit about Eric Carlson to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Later today, he will have his introductory press conference at, a, I believe, the UPMC Lemieux Sports Complex out in Cranberry. They bring him in in person, so it won't be over Zoom. So uh, it will be interesting to see what Eric Carlson says in his first appearance as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. But with him coming to Pittsburgh, the question then becomes, or at least one of the several questions becomes, who does this benefit most on the roster? Because clearly it benefits the roster as a whole tremendously, right? We talked about that on Sunday. Again, go back and listen to the emergency pod. We talk a lot about the moves that went out, the players that went out, the pieces that went out, and the pieces that came in, including Rem Pitlick, who we got into for about five minutes or so on that episode. But when it comes to Carlson, besides the entire team, besides what it means for Eric Carlson to be back on a team that's going to contend for a playoff spot, who does this help out the most on the Pittsburgh Penguins? I mean, right, everyone's the easy answer. There's quite a few. I think a lot of people will jump to Chris Letang right away. You know, he's going to have some minutes chewed away. It's going to extend his um, his ability to play long, you know, play long into his career, deep into his career, long into these games. Um, just because, like Kyle Dubas said, between the two of them, Carlson and Letang, they should play up, upwards of 50 minutes a night, which is a hilarious stat to think about. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, it's, that's an option right there. An easy option of obviously Chris Letang will see some set, some setbacks in terms of ice time, but should be able to keep him, you know, pretty, uh, pretty youthful, pretty youthful, pretty, uh, not tired for the games. I can't think of the word that I'm looking for, but it's okay. I think Chris Letang is obviously an option there, but also whoever he gets paired with, is going to have to. Uh, extend and really grow their defensive prowess because let's just be honest here, Eric Carlson doesn't play much defense. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the reason why we got him. We wanted him to be a puck mover and a goal scorer. Yeah, and, and here's the thing about that as well. Before I, I talk about that mm-hmm. partner who I think is going to benefit the most uh, amongst anybody else on the Pittsburgh Penguins, the best defense is offense. Right, that that's that's a tried and true thing. That if you are in the offensive zone, creating offense and scoring goals, the other team at the same time cannot be scoring goals. That's not how the sport works. I mean, hockey for dummies, one hundred one, chapter one. If you're scoring, the other team is not at the same time. So the more offense that Eric Carlson can provide, the less time he'll be spending in his own zone, which is a good thing for the Penguins and a good thing uh, for this defensive partner who is going to have a lot of responsibility once the puck does inevitably get into the Penguins' defensive zone with Eric Carlson on the ice, and that is Marcus Pedersen. I mean, all indications are that Pedersen is going to get the first kick at the can at being defensive partners with Eric Carlson, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, The Pittsburgh Penguins just brought in Ryan Graves. He's going to be their top-pairing defenseman, and Chris Letang is still one of the better defensemen, if not one of the top 15, top 10 defensemen in the National Hockey League when healthy. So yeah, he's going to get top-pairing minutes as well. I mean, both Letang and Carlson could, as you mentioned. I still think that it, it probably works out 
the opening way of having Graves, Latang, Pedersen, and Carlson. And that gives Pedersen a great opportunity here because the spotlight is going to be on him more so than the spotlight has ever been on him in his career. And the big thing is with Carlson coming over, everybody's going to want to watch when Carlson is on the ice. What's he going to do? And who's going to be staple gunned right next to him? It's Marcus Pedersen. Now, Pedersen might not be in a contract year, but he has two years remaining on his contract. Playing those two seasons next to Eric Carlson instead of Jeff Petrie, while yes, it's going to extend his uh, extend his responsibility a, a little bit more, I think it's also going to give him more opportunity to, if he thrives in that role, make himself a lot of money over the next two seasons. It could. It absolutely will. Um, he's going to be that man that, almost the way we looked at Brian Dumoulin way back when, it was, he's going to be playing alongside a pretty offensive-minded defenseman, and he'll have to really step up in terms of uh, a defensive mindset and become that stay-at-home defenseman that you don't really think about much, right? You don't think about in terms of how good they genuinely are at the at their position. Um, and it's a good spot for Pedersen to be in because we know he can absolutely uh, jump into that sort of role. It's not a top-line role, so he's not eating up a ton of minutes. He's got that benefit of not being on the ice as often as Brian Dumoulin was. Mm-hmm. I mean, he still might take up a little a few extra minutes here and there because he's going to be playing alongside someone who they want to have out on the ice a pretty fair amount. But um, it's going to be a pretty similar role to what he had already in terms of the ice time. And all he has to do is step up in performance. Yeah. Last season, Marcus Pedersen had a career high in expected goals percentage at 56%. So clearly his defensive game, something that was already one of his strengths, is heading in the right direction as he gets into the prime of his career. Adding a guy like Eric Carlson is going to test that defensive ability, but I also think it's going to help him in, in the instance that Eric Carlson is going to get the puck out really easily, right? That's yep. that's one of the things Carlson is great at. He's great at that first pass. He's great at zone exits. So if Pedersen gets into a jam... Send it over to your partner, and your partner's going to be able to do some magical things. So I really think that Marcus Pedersen, when this trade went down, probably looked in the mirror and saw money signs in his eyes because he's playing alongside a future Hall of Famer no matter where he is in the lineup, right? Even if he bumps up, he's playing with future Hall of Famer Chris Letang. If he stays where he's at, he's playing with future Hall of Famer Eric Carlson, and that is always, always going to benefit a defensive defenseman like Marcus Pedersen. He'll be able to fade into the background, do the dirty work, and get paid for it. Because while the general public might not look at that, NHL GMs certainly do. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a phenomenal opportunity for him. And... You know, it's going to be an interesting dynamic with those two, but it's something that the Penguins have been looking forward to all summer. So, Another name of somebody that is going to drastically, drastically benefit from the addition of Eric Carlson. Except Kenny Malkin, right? Mm-hmm. It, like, it's the same thing, the same discussion we had last year, but the difference is going from Jeff Petrie to Eric Carlson especially on the offensive side of the puck is an absolute drastic takeover of talent, right? Jeff Petrie wasn't inept. Jeff Petrie Mm -hmm. was a pretty good puck mover, but the speed and the talent of Eric Carlson is on another level. And what we mentioned last season, what we'll mention again here is Chris Letang is typically going to be paired up with Sidney Crosby. 
That's how it's been for the entirety of their careers. The majority of Latang's ice time is spent with Crosby's line. Malkin, there have been times where, hey, you get Justin Schultz. You see what happened in those years with Justin Schultz. I'm getting Malkin's line started to thrive. You add Eric Carlson to this equation, I think Evgeny Malkin really benefits starting at the beginning of this season. Yeah. Yeah, I think he will. It's perfect timing for a player like Malkin, too. I mean, he was coming into a fully healthy season last year, and he had a pretty good year. He had a better year than I think a lot of us expected. Um, and now, another year older, obviously, you know, that decline in play is inevitable. It's kind of sitting there waiting. This should extend the window for Malkin a little bit more, too. Mm-hmm. Being able to play with the puck mover that Carlson is, even with the finisher that Carlson is, if Malkin can get the puck to him with his underrated playing playmaking ability, um, it should extend that window of maybe not actual pure skill and you know eye test, but those numbers will at least keep clicking, right? Mm-hmm. There will at least still be a fair amount of production coming from Evgeny Malkin with the help of Eric Carlson. So... Yeah, when you put it the way of, you know, Latang spent most of his career with Crosby despite not being the same position, um, yeah, it's going to translate the same way for Malkin and Carlson, uh, at least into this season. We'll see where things go after that, but for sure into this year. Yeah, as we stand now. But mm-hmm. also, Malkin, in a sense, got two new line mates, right? If you consider Eric Carlson somebody who more often is going to be deployed at 5-on-5 with Evgeny Malkin's line, Evgeny Malkin gets Riley Smith on his left side, a more consistent goal-scoring threat, somebody who is going to help with the defensive responsibility when he is on the ice because he can play that two-way style, and he gets Eric Carlson, who's not only an eloquent passer, and I think that's understating it, but he's not only an eloquent passer, but this is somebody who can carry the puck into the zone with a whole lot of speed. And what does that do? It busts open opposing defenses and creates a lot of space for Malkin to do what he does best. You mentioned he has an underrated playmaking ability. And I agree with that. I think of getting Malkin's vision and his passing ability are something that don't get talked about nearly enough. But that's because his finish and when he gets set up just right, it's nearly impossible to stop a Malkin one-timer. You just don't see it enough. He just doesn't get set up enough for it. That's going to change with Eric Carlson. He's going to be able to become the pure sniper that he was back in the early 2010s. Now, it might not be the same because he is 10, 11, 12 years older at this point, but he's going to be able to get back to that style of game, which is going to allow him to put up some bigger numbers. And maybe, as we've talked about over the past couple of weeks, maybe even the past month, maybe get him to the 30-goal plateau, which would get him to 500 on his career. Yeah, it's, now that the Carlson has been added, we need to revisit all those statistics that we <laughs> talked about before. Also, because I forget what we said for all of them. Yes. Uh, but it's I'm sure there'll be more predictions to come. Wait for September. September and early October should be quite fun in terms of watching what's going on with the Penguins, watching what kind of lines we're getting, we're seeing at camp, what kind of pairings we're getting. There's going to be so much entertainment into the next couple months. I mean, yeah, we got this little time off much deserved for a lot of people and then (laughs) back at it back at it well it wasn't all good news for the Pittsburgh Penguins over this past week Drew O'Connor coming back is good Eric Carlson one of the one of the biggest days in the organization's recent history but Friday there was a little bit of bad news surrounding Jake Gensel we'll talk about his injury what it turns into and what it means for the Pittsburgh Penguins right after the break (laughs) 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to the Tip of the Iceberg podcast, brought to you as always by Inside the Penguins. And again, if you missed it at the beginning, quick programming note here, Tip of the Iceberg, Penguins to go. We'll be going on a little break here, and we will return on August 21st, which is a Monday, and we'll get right back to our five episodes a week. Obviously, we've been a little scarce. We've been a little scattered this past couple of weeks. Uh, we got a lot going on. Even though it's the slow season for the NHL, it is the busy season uh, for the two Knicks at Inside the Penguins. But we will be taking a little break just as a heads up. We'll be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll be better than ever. With the start of Season 5, or what? Isn't that, like, thinking about that, this is a, technically, I guess, the season four finale. We're talking about Eric Carlson mm-hmm. as a member of the Pittsburgh Penguins. It's insane to think that four years ago where we started in my rinky-dink apartment in Bellevue, sitting across from each other, each other, now we're here talking about Eric Carlson on the Pittsburgh Penguins getting ready to start season five. I mean, what what big names are we talking about that year? Phil Kessel was still on the team, was he not? 2019, no. No, he just left then. He had uh, just left. We're talking about the uh, Jack Johnson deal at that point. Oh, no. All right, so maybe we weren't talking about big He was things. on the team, at least. I don't know if we were talking about the deal, but... Uh. That's all right. We weren't talking about big things then. That's okay. <laughs> uh-huh. No, I mean, this is argu- arguably the biggest thing we've ever had to discuss with this team, aside from, obviously, missing the playoffs this past season. Mm-hmm. You know, last offseason, we thought, heading into it, uh, was going to be one of the most important and pivotal, pivotal uh, off-seasons in the franchise's history. And it was for the time. I mean, it was the Malkin and Latang contract discussions, uh, only to be one up to the following year because they decided to miss the playoffs uh, and fire their general manager. And then the saga of hiring the best option available for president of hockey operations, who then hired the best option available for general manager in himself... Um, and then everything that kind of transpired these last few months, it was I mean, the fact that he had Carlson in mind during his interviews, I think is hilarious. And he did say, <laughs> and he did say during his press conference that, uh, going after Carlson was something that extended into his previous place of, uh, business, even funnier, sorry, Toronto, take another L, I guess. Um, and still be mad over it, by the way, that it's, when is it time for Toronto to get over that? It's still fresh. Uh, nah, I mean, the fresh. general manager goes to a different team, a general manager that while he shepherded one of the most successful little spurts here for the Toronto Maple Leafs in the 21st century, uh, wasn't able to win anything of consequence. Then he goes to a winning organization in Pittsburgh and he immediately pulls off the deal that he never could in, in his old former employer. I'd be a little salty too. I, well, I would be a little salty, too. And I'll, I'll give you this, Toronto fans, if you're listening to this 33 minutes in, which means you're either hate-watching or you genuinely like our opinions on hockey. I like your goal song. 
The guy on the other side of the screen doesn't. I think it's phenomenal. So I'm with you on that. I'm with you on that one. But uh, <laughs> let's talk a Don't little worry. bit. I'm also burnt out on our own. I'm I'm over <laughs> it. Let's find something new. I like keeping things fresh, especially when it comes to music. Let's get some changes here. The only people that should never change their goal song are Chicago, the New York Rangers, and uh, uh, the uh, Coyotes. Because Howlin' For You, if, the, if it is still that yeah. even, uh, that just fits. That just fits too well. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Chelsea Dagger got very annoying in the mid early to mid 2010s, but you know now that they stink again, it's a good goal song. I, I can a, freely admit that it's a classic for that organization too. Very true. Once you put it in a movie with Vince Vaughn and Kevin, I can't remember his last name. The guy from uh, whatever. <laughs> I don't even know what. We, all right, continue. Hitch. He's in King of the Hill. I, not King of the Hill. Is it King of the Hill? I don't know. Whatever. Kevin James. That's what it is. One of the okay. one of the Sandler specialties, uh, Kevin James. But regardless, let's talk a little bit about Jake Gensel. Jesus, this went off the rails quickly. But Jake Gensel, uh, Jake Gensel, Jesus, Jake Gensel had surgery last week to repair an injured ankle. That's all those words, you know, when you actually say them out incorrectly. Uh, initial timetable is that he will be evaluated in 12 weeks. Kyle Dubas stated yesterday that they do not plan on putting him on long-term injured reserve. Therefore, his entire $6 million cap hit should be accounted for when looking at the season to open. But he expects him to only miss around five games if all goes well in Gensel's recovery. For what it's worth, 12 weeks exactly from the time of the announcement would have been seven games. So, hey, there's already a step in the right direction, right? Yeah, it's a positive update when we didn't expect that much of an update three or four days after the actual surgery had happened. But um, as he explains it, I know a lot of people were angry that, you know, why was he playing in the beauty league? If he had an ankle injury, it was part of the process. It was part of the plan for the Pittsburgh Penguins that, Hey, we want to see him ramp up. He's going to play some of these games into beauty league back in Minnesota and see how it feels. And it, it just didn't feel right. So then they turned course and the best course of action as Kyle Dupes laid out yesterday was to get the surgery. So at the end of the day, you know, getting the surgery now, it might not be perfect, but if he misses five games, he misses five games. The point is he'll still be back, hopefully 100% and ready to go for the remaining 77 games of the season. Yeah, and when it comes to playing in the summer league, uh, first of all, I didn't realize that it was his agent's uh, summer league, so of course he's going to be there. Uh, But also... um, Jake Gensel during uh, locker cleanout day mentioned that he was going to play in world in the uh, world championships. That was kind of a big deal. He was going to take part in that. Um, and then it was a couple weeks later. I forget when exactly, but a couple weeks later it was pretty much, Hey, he's not going dealing with a dealing with an injury, dealing with an undisclosed injury. Mm-hmm. Well, we figured it out guys. Like he <laughs> was dealing with this before he even decided to play in this into beauty league it was just part of the process we thought it would kind of heal up a little more uh and it was part of the progression back we're going to ramp up the intensity at this summer league because i mean let's be honest how else do you stay sharp during the off season other than playing there's only so much weightlifting and skating on your own you can do to stay sharp and you know at as close to game speed as possible right so it makes sense that he's playing a little bit somewhere Plus, are these summer leagues full of injuries? Like, in reality, are they? Especially not, if you've ever watched any any highlights even of the Beauty League, it's not 
fast pace. Now, Teddy Bluger led the damn to, thing in goal scoring last year, did he not? He did, and then he came to Pittsburgh and scored two goals in like 60 games. So I, I think that that says enough for you. Yeah, it is. It's a game of shinny, right? It's mm-hmm. not a game that gets too intense, although there was a, a fight in the finals last year. I think it was also Teddy Bluger that got into a fight in, in the finals of that of that league last year. I forgot no. about that one. So Gensel didn't get injured during the summer league games he got injured prior to that and they were trying to use the summer league games to as part of the rehab process to see and test how his ankle was instead of you know waiting mm-hmm. until training camp to see how his ankle is with more intense ice or more intense skating more intense competition and then they would have had to have the surgery in six weeks which would have put him out for the first 12 weeks of the season so while the timetable isn't great it's much better than the uh than the opposite if they would not have tried to test it out during that summer league but with him missing time even if it's just five games who's your top candidate to fill that role to start the season oh uh it's hard to put out exactly who i think the best candidate is there are so many options first i mean part of the eric carlson deal we acquired one and rem pitlick that's an mm-hmm. option if they genuinely needed to just take over in temporary time and that's part of what I think goes into the thought process here is it's just going to be temporary. And especially if it's only five games, that's a really short amount of time to take over in that role. I think the top option right now might be uh, an Alex Nylander. It's the first name everyone thinks of in this situation, right? It is someone who played in the top six last year uh, is going to be battling for a roster spot period, but might have an upper hand in, taking that role next to Sidney Crosby for at least the first five to seven games of the season uh, because he showed to still have that NHL ability last year playing with Malkin and Zucker. Um, let's see it translate a little more. And even if it's temporary, you have other options. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it wouldn't be the first time that Alex Nylander was forced into a top six role. Exactly. Would not be. I mean, he, that that was essentially his entire run in Chicago. Yeah. So. The name that I, comes up for me is not a name that's going to be first on anybody else's list, I don't think. At least very few others, and it's not going to be the majority. I think Andreas Janssen is my top candidate for that position. I know he was signed later in the offseason. I know that he really didn't get a lot of playing time last season with New Jersey and then was traded in the Timo Meyer deal to San Jose and only played in a handful of games there as well, but... He was a guy that bounced around the lineup, including towards the top line in Toronto a good bit early in his career. He found success in Toronto. He was kind of a one-two punch for him and Kapanen, the two guys that got basically placed anywhere that they were needed um, in those early Toronto years wherever they were just first making the playoff runs. He just wasn't able to carry that over in New Jersey, though. Mm-hmm. I, it wasn't a fit, and sometimes you see that, and that happens. But Andreas Janssen still has speed. He still has finishing ability, and I liken him a lot because his underlying numbers are solid, but he could benefit from that fresh start with plenty of opportunities on the Pittsburgh Penguins. I liken him to a Dominic Simone with a little bit better finishing ability, somebody who... It might be first line or bust, but when he's on the first line, he can carry his weight. And I think with Andreas Janssen, the one improvement over what you saw from Dominic Simone is Andreas Janssen is one, faster, and two, has much better finishing ability and will not be uh, mind-numbing when it comes to the fact that he cannot put the biscuit in the basket 
really at all is what Dom yeah. Simone showed. But uh, Andreas Janssen has a little bit of a higher upside in that aspect. So I see him more like a Dom Simone, whereas if he gets that spot to early, he's going to thrive. He's going to look right at home. But I don't see him as somebody that you can say, hey, let's drop him in the lineup and we'll get the same production or at least similar production from a third line role. I, I just don't see that happening per se. But uh, I think that on the top line, he could he could be a successful candidate there for the Penguins. Man, I forgot all about Dom Simone being a <laughs> top-line player. I really yeah. did. And, Sidney and that, Crosby's uh, staple to the right side. Yeah, and that open. And thinking of that, it open. It does open up the door for guys like Andreas Janssen, maybe a Vinny Henestrosa, or maybe another prospect in there. Mm-hmm. There are plenty of names that fit that Dom Simone mold of. He's not, he's not going to be a top-line guy on most teams. He's not going to be a top-line guy on this team. But we need a quick pinch fix, and Crosby can make pretty much anybody look good. And uh, and then all of a sudden, he's stapled there for the rest of the year. <laughs> now, we're not expecting that exactly this year because of the position they're taking over as Jake Gensel. But yeah. it does bringing up Dom Simone does remind everyone, hey, anyone can be an option here. Any prospect that might not have the highest, uh, you know, uh, stance in the prospect pool um this guy's fighting for roster spots anyone can take this spot it's only going to be temporary so think of it as a dom simone type player that takes in that takes into that spot and that's the key thing i took away from yesterday whether it be with the jake gensel spot that's opening up for the first you know knock on wood hopefully only five games of the regular season or it just be the roster in general Dubas said players will have to, quote, come in and take the roles that they want on this team. I love that viewpoint. And it's something that sounds simple, but that's not always the case. Look at last season. Yes, if, if, if a player that was on the outside looking in wanted to get that spot, they had to come in and take it. But did they really have that opportunity? No. The roster was pretty much set once you entered training camp last year. The roster is not set right now. You know, for better or for worse, there are available roster spots for a bunch of guys that could just, quote, come in and take this role. I mean, when you look at the bottom six alone, even getting away from the Jake Gensel position, you look at the only bottom six players that I would say are a lock to make the roster. Jeff Carter, Matt Nieto, Lars Eller, and Nola Chari. That leaves three roster spots. Like, even taking away... Somebody's going to have to fill Jake Gensel's role. That leaves three roster spots on the NHL roster to start the season. Two of them in the lineup and that one extra forward that Kyle Dubas mentioned. So there's a lot of opportunity, three of them, for a lot of players. Henestrosa, Janssen, Nylander, Poulin, if he's able to to get back up to speed fast enough. Mm -hmm. Valtteri Pustinen, um, I'm missing a bunch. But there's a lot of players that have opportunities, and it's not just one spot that, like, hey, you're all fighting for this spot. Good luck, because they already have an idea of who's filling that spot. It's, there's a good bit of holes here. If you want it and you impress us in training camp, it's yours. And as Dubas said earlier in that press conference and we talked about earlier in the episode, he said, I'm not afraid to send somebody down if somebody else is outperforming them, even if they have to go through waivers. Yep. There's a lot of a lot of fighting that's going to happen in, the, in this for these depth roles, for these open spots. Uh Perhaps a couple healthy scratches have to get made during the season as well. There's going to be a lot of ins and outs and a lot of changes. Don't expect much chemistry to be built up in this bottom six, by the way. I don't know why. just feel like we have these options that could fly in and out of the roster and out of the lineup. We'll see how it goes. And definitely, um, 
they're fighting for these roles. They are fighting for these roles. It's, it's a bunch of guys that want to prove that they still have what it takes and that they can definitely perform on this team. Yeah. So competition is going to be the theme of the fall. Obviously, you always want competition in training camp. You always want these guys competing, and they are the top competitors in the world, are professional athletes. But this year, more than most, the Pittsburgh Penguins will have plenty of competition, plenty of roster spots available for grabs. But that's going to do it for this episode of the Tip of the Iceberg podcast. We are going to have a, a special edition podcast come out here a little later this week. But other than that... We're going to be off until August 21st. We'll be back, and once we come back, we'll kick off Season 5 with a bang. Five episodes a week, just like we've been doing all summer. But for Nick Horwat, I'm Nick Berlansky. We'll see you guys next time.